We're taking a look these weeks at all the ways that we can grow in uh, love for one another. So let's pray that uh, God's love might increase our love today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us here this morning. I pray that I would not stand in the way of your people hearing your word, but that you would let me be an instrument so that we might all grow in true love for each other. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Who are the people who have really changed your life? Can you uh, do me a favor real quick and just make a list? There's some blanks there in your service folder. Uh, what is that, page six? Page six, if you want to follow along, fill in a couple of people there. Who are the people who have really changed your life? Anybody need a pen? There should be pens in the seats in front of you if you want. What made those people such life-changing people for you? Anyone? If you care to share, you got an easy one. Maybe they cared enough to talk to us about something. Uh, they had a close relationship with us, you know, people like our parents. Um, maybe some of you were in the military, and, uh, you know, you had, had a fellow soldier take a bullet for you, or... Uh, I'd warn you about an IED or jump on a grenade or, or something like that, right? I mean, that would be, that would be a, definitely a phenomenal life-changing experience, wouldn't it? Um, I know of at least of a couple people who have had internal organ transplants from somebody else. You know, if you've got a lung from somebody else, that person has definitely changed your life. Uh, you know, if you're wearing, wearing, carrying around somebody else's kidney, right, that person has definitely changed your life. And those people should be people that we remember with gratitude. Most of us, the people who change our lives, uh, change our lives in probably much less dramatic but consistent ways. I see that they, I think that they, they change our lives primarily through their, their honesty, their brokenness, and their vulnerability as they let us see who they really are, but then also they, they show us what real strength and power and, and virtue is. I think about somebody like our seminary professor. Our seminary professor uh, has, president even, has had a profound impact on the lives of, of thousands of students by now. Uh, and and he, I was one of them. I remember sitting in class discussing Romans chapter 1, and he was telling us about, um, we were discussing the sin that it, it has infected the world and how it manifests itself. Uh, how sin turns us against God and how that turning against God looks like two different things. For some people, the turning against God actually looks like turning towards God. You know, they, they, they fake it and their lives become filled with religiosity. It's all the external appearance of their life, but there's no heart, there's no true spirit behind that that shows real love for God. And, and other people turn against God by by explicitly disobeying his commands and they, they turn against him and his ways and they they, they hate their neighbors, right? So there's, there's two different things. And he, he was telling us about this, and he was saying to us, you know, telling us about how he grew up, and he talked about this with his mom sitting back in Africa in the day, and, and his mom would say to him, Paul, that's just wicked. It's just wicked. And, and you know, there was, there was a sense as he told us this that she wasn't just talking about the rest of the world. She was talking about her son and how he felt it. You could see it in his eyes, 
you know, that he was reflecting his own life. And so we saw the, the ravaging effects of sin right in him. But that same man then a couple months later would look at me as I got sent overseas and he would look at me and he'd say, I'm so glad that you're going there. I'm so glad that you are going with my son, that you're going to be my son's pastor and his team leader and, uh, and you can be there with him. Because he was testifying to the amazing strength that God's word has through even somebody like me. And that was the, one of the most encouraging things that he could have said to me at that moment, you know, better than even saying, you're going to be a great person, you're going to do a great job, just I'm glad that you're going to be there with my son. I, it was his honesty about the sin, but also his, his confidence that really made a deep impact on me. That's, that's what it looks like when, when people really change our lives. You know, we've been We've been working through, for the last few weeks, how we can truly love others. We see last week, you know, Jesus made these expectations clear that he has of us, and we realize that as we follow him in our lives, that it will be clear to people around us what we expect of us, and we'll be able to see our relationships flourish uh, as we have these clear expectations to live with. Relationships that are not clear are inherently just confused and unhealthy. But to be able to really have clear expectations, you have to be a, a person who has been, been deeply changed yourself. You're never going to have the impact on the world around you if you haven't, haven't been changed yourself. Uh, you've got to look beneath the surface. And that's what, what God invites you and I to do today. You know, the, the question or the invitation to you and I is to be people who will really change the world. And, and so the question to ask ourselves is, is, who are the people who change the world? Who are the people that God uses to change the world? And, and it's not so remarkable or significant as we might think. You know, it's not like a, a Mark Zuckerberg or something like that. So let's get into God's Word today and see what he has to say to us as we look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and following. Who are the people who really do change the world? Jesus starts out here and he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, and he says, you are the light of the world. Now, in Jesus' day, in Near Eastern times, um, salt was not used to flavor. Salt was used as a preservative. If you had a good chunk of meat and you wanted to save it even for a couple days, the only way you could possibly save that meat uh, was if you salted it. So it was, it was used to preserve. Light was used in the same way. If you've ever been in just a pitch black, really black, like totally absolute black place, you ever been in a totally absolute black place? I mean, it hardly ever happens anymore, you know? But where you can't even say, see your hand in front of your face, it's, it's so disorienting. It's dislocating. You get a sense of, of vertigo, and you, you can't tell which way is forward and backward and, and all of that. You might be walking off a cliff, or you could be walking into your, your favorite chair in your living room. My dad always used to say, you, you get discombobulated. Uh, I have no idea where he came up with that. Anybody else use the word discombobulated? Yeah? Okay, so maybe it is, maybe it is legit. Um, discombobulated. <laughs> but that's the sense that you get when you're in that pitch blackness and, and, and light, fights, uh, light fights against that. Right? What Jesus is, is saying here is that the world, the, the people that the world needs, are, are people that could preserve it, that could help orient it and locate it because there's a lot of good, but it's 
things are falling apart. Um, what Jesus is saying here right, is that everything falls uh, apart over time. Uh, you know, those of you who are, are 70 or 80 here, you know, are you, are you as sharp as you were 30, 40 years ago? Maybe there's a few of you that, you know, something's changed radically in your life and you're sharper, but most of us not that way, you know? You're not seeing me walk out here at week after week and being like, yep, I feel more fit, I'm losing weight, I'm getting bigger. <sighs> you know, that's not happening as I get older. Uh, maybe some of you are, but not me. And so physically, things are just falling apart. Rocks and stones, I mean, rocks, huge boulders turn into stones, which eventually turn into pebbles, which eventually turn into sand. We see that happen all the time. Relationally, this happens, doesn't it? Relationally, socially, you know, relationships take a lot of work. You know what the life cycle is for a marriage? Seven years. Every seven years, give or take a few years, you have to refresh your relationship, your marriage. Uh, and if you don't recommit to it and then find ways to reconnect, uh, the, the marriage falls apart. You can look at statistics and seven years, 14 years, 21 years, those are the major years, give or take a couple years, where people's relationships really struggle and then they get a divorce. Um, Pastor-people relationships, pastors and churches, seven to ten years, you have to refresh that relationship. You know, if you're not constantly working at it, praying, communicating, connecting, the relationship uh, will break down. Think about, I mean, energy, energetically. Energy just, first law of the universe, first law from, uh, from Einstein says that matter can't be created or destroyed, right? But the second law says that, that the universe is running out of usable energy. Eventually, the universe is just going to collapse on itself or blow up or something like that. I mean, it's probably going to be in 100 billion years from now, but it will happen. It's running out of, of energy. And I think we feel this now more than any other time uh, in the past. You know, we, we don't just feel it physically. We don't just feel it energetically. Uh, we don't just feel it relationally. We feel it, we feel it spiritually, don't we? We feel it deep down in our emotional souls. I mean, there has never been a time that is more cynical and skeptical. When's the last time you took a doctor's opinion at face value and you didn't double-check it? I mean, the, the, the going opinion is to double-check your doctor, isn't it? Things are, are falling apart. I want less than, fewer than one out of five of us trust the government to do what's right most of the time. Fewer than one out of five of us. It's the, the lowest it's ever been. Um, you know, and, and this is, I grew up in a, with this, this cynicism that's baked into life. Uh, there was a song by the band Green Day, some of you might know it, called uh, American Idiot. This is, I'm pardon the French, right, They're pardon that language there, but the, the, the refrain, the chorus of the song, this is what I, I grew up with, is I don't care that you don't care. That was the mantra of high school. I don't care that you don't care. I mean, things just disintegrate. They, they dislocate. That's, that's the kind of, of people that the world needs. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, that's no big deal, Pastor. I mean, this is something I've always known. The world is going to hell in a pan basket. It's just all falling apart. Yeah, but that's not what this is saying. That's, that's not. Uh, Jesus lived in a time where the perception of history, history moved in cycles. History was cyclical. Uh, you know, so like the Egyptians, the Egyptians at Jesus' time, uh, the Egyptians, we don't have any biographies of Egyptian pharaohs because 
every biography, every story of a pharaoh was seen as a repeat of the story of the gods. Can you imagine if we didn't have any biographies of, of Lincoln and, and Jefferson and all the greats of American history because we said, well, that's just a, a, a retelling of the story of the gods? I mean, that doesn't make any sense to our, our mindset, does it? History was viewed as cyclical. And then along comes Jesus saying, you need salt, you need light in, in this world, or things are going to keep falling apart. Uh, but then we have come along and we've taken a very different tact on it. We, we are born and bred and raised with the myth of progress. From, from the time we're little, our, we're telling our kids, you can be smarter, you can be better, you can be faster, you can be everything that I wasn't. You'll just be better than everything. You know, one of our leaders, he, he, he made his way saying to us that we are part of the, the long arc of the moral universe. Remember that? What, what are we saying? We're saying that all of history now moves in a direction. You see what's happened is that Jesus' time, we said history was cyclical. Then, now we've said history is moving in a direction. It's always progress. And Jesus is saying neither of those are right. Things are pretty good. This universe is an amazing place. But it needs salt and light to keep it going, to preserve it. Because everything is falling apart. Um, and maybe some of you find this incredibly depressing. I don't know. Maybe you find this really depressing that everything is just, that everything falls apart. You know, you say, why get up in the morning? Why try it all? Why teach? Because everybody's just going to forget it all anyway. You know, why cook these meals? Why, why, do, why do any of this? It, it's not that depressing, right? Don't, don't take it that way. Because this is just saying, here's the, the real view that Jesus provides for us on reality. If I leave my house at night and I tell my kids and say, all right kids, you're sitting down here, you're eating dinner, I need you to finish eating dinner, and then I need you to clean up dinner, and then I need you to clean up the kitchen, you know, load the dishwasher, wash the rest of the dishes, wash the countertops, sweep the floor, then go pick up the toy room, and then after you do that, you know, then go to bed, brush your teeth, put your pajamas on, and all of that. And I come home at, at 8.05, 8.10, whatever, 8.10 after the meeting's done, and I find that my kids, they haven't, the table is covered in food. There are dishes everywhere in the kitchen. The toy room is, and I go upstairs, and one room is blasting this music from VBS. And the other room is listening to audiobooks. You know, I don't say, you bad kids and you bad house. What do I say? I say, where's the parent? Where, where's a parent here? Uh, you know, if you walk into a room that's filled with darkness, you don't say, bad room and bad darkness. You say, where's the light? Where's the light? Jesus is saying that to us. He's saying, look, this is just the way it is. Don't, don't let your, the meaninglessness overwhelm you. You should be saying, where is the light? Where is the light? You're the light, aren't you? Where's the light? You are. You are that. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Wow, right? And of course he means that God at work in you through his word, you are the light of the world. But he is saying you are. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that just this phenomenal that, that he would say it? You know, we so underestimate 
The amount of energy that it takes just to, to renew things, to, to keep things going. Most people would rather do something new than to try to renew what we already have. Uh, Coca-Cola. You know, I remember glass Coca-Cola bottles from when I was growing up. Uh, I don't know, some of you probably still do, just a little bit. I, I, I only like to go to my grandma and grandpa's. I shouldn't say that. I like to go to my grandma and grandpa's because there were still, they lived in a small town, and so you could get glass Coca-Cola bottles. It was the only place that you could still get like, glass Coca-Cola bottles. But, but of course, Coke was phasing them out because it, just, it was too hard to refill them. It took too much energy, too much time. It was too hard to convince people to send them back. It was so much easier just to make a metal can and, and to fill a new one than it was to renew an old glass bottle. You know, or you, you take the example of Sears that we've been watching. How much has Eddie Lampert poured into Sears trying to get that company restarted? I figure more than $10 billion by, by my count. It's a phenomenal amount of money just trying to rebuild, and it's going to close probably this year. All the stores is done. It is so hard to renew things. And then you think, guess what you and I get to see God do through us all the time. God actually renews things that are falling apart. I, I can give you a couple of examples from just this last year of people who grew up Christian and, and then, for whatever reason, they walked away from the church. They said, I don't want to do with, have anything to do with repentance. I don't need that. I don't need forgiveness. I don't need healthy relationships with fellow Christians where I can it, it go through some conflict and, and become a better person. I don't need to grow and mature. I don't need any of that stuff. Right? And now they, then this last year they came back and they said, you know what, I want the gospel. I, I want forgiveness so that I can forgive others. I'm going to repent so I can encourage others to repent. I, I want to have a, a, a growing relationship with fellow Christians so that I can help them grow into the people that God made them to be. That is just a phenomenal thing to see. And when I saw that not just once, not just twice, but a bunch of times. Now you think, God is renewing somebody right in front of our eyes, and how often does that happen? That we actually see something that is falling apart in life get put back together. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? And, and that's, what, that's what God is doing right in front of our eyes. And he does it through you and me. You are salt. You are the very thing that God uses to help other people. You always know that I like you when you come to my house. If, I've, if the meat tastes really good, um, you know, if, if, I, if I care about you, just kidding, it's not if I care about you. If, it's if, I, if I make the time in my life, um, I, will, I will set the meat aside you know, days in advance and I'll, I'll, I'll tenderize it, I'll rub the salt all in and the spices to bring out all the natural flavors. And if I don't care about you, I mean, if I'm really in a big hurry, uh, you know, I'll just throw the, throw the meat on the grill and quick sprinkle some salt on it and go, bam, 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 and all right, we'll call that good, you know, and hopefully it turns out. And I, I realize that you have to go through a lot of pain and a lot of hard things in your own souls. That's the gospel that God is working deeply into your lives.
God has never used anybody in his kingdom who hasn't had great pressure put on them to become salt and light. God pushes that deep down into your, into your life, into your soul. There's an awesome passage from Psalm 66 that says that God preserves our life. And then he goes right on and he says, for he tests us. Right? So he preserves our life, how? By testing us, by, by going through us deeply so that we become his people. If, if the gospel hasn't worked deeply into your life, you're not going to be salt. You're not going to be, be light in this world. But Jesus has the, the greatest power in the world. He was the salt that was literally trashed. I mean, you saw in the passage, right, that it says that salt that has lost its saltiness is good for nothing. And, and Jesus is the only one who was really the pure salt, but he was thrown out, wasn't he? They put him on a cross and then they said, we're done with you, we reject you, and we're going to pitch you into the tomb and get rid of you. He was the pure salt that was thrown out so that you and I could be salt in somebody else's life. You know, and, and he was the light that was snuffed out. Jesus had brought this phenomenal, glorious light into this world, and yet they put him on a cross so that they could kill him. They reject him, and he was snuffed out, plunged into darkness. Have you ever noticed, right? The Bible tells us that there was complete darkness over the place where Jesus died for a couple of hours. Why? Because they, they put out the light of the world so that you and I could be light in somebody else's life. I want you to be that kind of an influence on, on other people's lives, and I'm sure that you want to be too, because you know what Jesus has done for you. And that's, that's the, the big thing that we can take away, right? That only the chief influencer, Jesus, makes us into great influences in other people's lives. And so I hope that you and I can do that together. I'd love to invite you to do that with me, to dig down deep into your heart and life so that you can be a great influence on somebody else's life, and more importantly, to apply the gospel to your whole life. You know what, I, I saw a great example of this just the other day. Um, half of it's mine and half of it I have to steal from somebody else because they did a better job than I did. So you, as a parent, right, you know what great parenting is? Great parenting is, is causing your kids temporary pain for long-term gain. Okay, right? Great parenting, temporary pain, long-term gain. Uh, and, and you as the parent, you have to have dealt with your own stuff enough you have to have applied the gospel so much to your life that you can say to yourself, I messed this up before. When I was a kid, when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult, I messed it all up, but I believe that Jesus died for my sins, he took it away so that I can do it better now with you. You have to say that as a parent because you, you mess up so many things. Uh, so you're looking at your kid and your kid's got those, those loose teeth, right, hanging out of their mouth, they're just like hanging down there and you I start to, to joke around with my kid about, man, I want to, because they're, they're, they're complaining about how they're painful, and I want this out of my mouth, Dad. You know, ah, it's terrible. So I, 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 you start joking around with your kid that you say, well, we're going to tie a string around and slam the door, and can I give you a good punch and all that kind of stuff, right, so that you can help them get the teeth out of the mouth. And so, but I, I failed as a parent in this way, uh, but I, somebody else I know said, it was one night this is what happened, wife was in the other room with the kid, and all of a sudden she says, honey, come here. And she's wrestling with her kid, and she's got a kid pinned down. And, and so she says, all right, you grab the arms, and I'm going to pull these teeth out. Wow. 
But you know, remember, the kid is, is complaining beyond all belief that these, these teeth are hurting terribly. So that's what they do, and pin it down, rip the teeth out, and before they rip out the teeth, right, the, the kid is lying there on the ground screaming, saying, I, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I'm going to get rid of you, I'm going to run away from home, you can't move in to me, with me when you get old, I want to get you out of this house, blah, 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 right, all these terrible things, and then you rip the teeth out, and the kid's like, I love you, I love you, it feels so much better. Oh, it's kind of funny now, huh? <laughs> I can stick my teeth in here. I love you, all that stuff, right? And a couple days later, exact same thing happens. Uh, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. That's, that, that's, that's parenting, isn't it? That, that's, I mean, you've got to do that in, in your whole life. When, when your kids are, are teenagers, you're going to discipline them, and they're going to come back to you, and they're going to say, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And then they come back 25, 20, 30, you know, they say, I love you, I love you. You were right the whole time. Ah, that's, that's parenting. But that's, you know what that is, too? That's Christianing. That's Christianing. That's, that's living the life of a follower of Jesus. You have to apply the gospel so much to your life. Let that chief influencer influence you so that you could possibly influence somebody else. Tim Keller has a really nice way to say it. He says that love without truth is sentimentality and truth without love is harshness. But God's great commitment to us, his, his great commitment to us is what moves you and I to see his love and his truth together so we repent and we help others repent. Let God change you deeply so that you can influence others. All right, let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, so often uh, we, we are afraid of seeing who we are deep down. We've got all of this sin that piles up beneath us because we we don't want to deal with it. We're afraid of it. We'd rather leave it in the past. Uh, and, but that, that deeply influences who we are, and, and we repent of that. We repent of hiding it. We ask that you would expose it to the light, that you would push your salt deep down into our lives so that we can become true salt and light in this world. Make us into these influences that will change other people's lives by the grace of Jesus Christ. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.